1: In the last episode of Relationship Radio, we were talking about how can you get your spouse to understand you? We gave a couple of suggestions in that episode, but we want to talk about that a little bit more, and that's what we'll do in this episode of Relationship Radio.
0: This is Relationship Radio, an extension of Marriage Helper International hosted by renowned marriage and relationship expert Dr. Joe Beam and CEO of Marriage Helper, Kimberly Beam Holmes, We answer your questions directly with research-based principles that you can implement immediately. Regardless of the situation, what we teach will not only make your relationships better, but will also help you to become the best version of yourself for term. Long- Turn up the volume and prepare to take notes as we begin this week's episode of Relationship Radio.
2: Welcome back to Relationship Radio. In today's conversation, we're going to be talking about part two of how to get your spouse to understand to get your spouse to listen, and if you listened to part one, which if you haven't, definitely go back and do that, then you understand that getting your spouse to understand really has more to do with you listening first. <laughs> I am Kimberly Holmes, CEO at Marriage Helper, joined by Dr. Joe Beam. Welcome.
1: Welcome. Thank you for having me into your studio here, which is so much nicer than my studio, but I guess because you're the CEO... <laughs> <laughs> that you get to have a nicer studio than I do. But it's, I'm thrilled well, to be here.
2: i All I can say is, you have a nice studio.
1: But not as nice as this one.
2: Mine was second. So we had more time <laughs> to say, what, if, what do we want to do differently in this one? What are some things? And actually, it was all built around my table, which I love.
1: It's a beautiful table. A
2: beautiful table.
1: No well, doubt about it.
2: Well, maybe you and I can understand
1: how to get your studio to be
2: better learning and implementing what we talked about in this episode. So in the first episode, we'll do a quick recap here, but definitely want listeners to go back and listen to the full thing. The real key in getting your spouse to understand you when you're frustrated with them and want them to change really has to do with seeking to first understand them. We gave some Key ways that you can do that. What are some of the ways you would summarize on how to get them to understand you by seeking first to understand them?
1: Well, that, and that's part of a business adage that's been around for years and years now, decades actually. Seek first to understand before seeking to be understood. And the best way to do that is to ask, as you pointed out very well in our previous episodes, is to be able to ask questions In the right environment, Mm -hmm. in other words, you don't do it when you're pressed with other things, but in the right environment and in the right attitude toward your spouse so that he or she doesn't feel pressured. And if you can ask those questions without making them sound as if you're attacking, like, well, why do you think that? Well, why do you do that? (laughs) That's not going to work. But truly, I want to understand you. Let me listen to you. And, and you ask the questions to understand and you can ask some clarifying questions if you don't understand. Just don't make them accusatory or even possibly sound accusatory. And then no matter how the other person reacts, don't react negatively on your part because some of the things you hear, you won't like. Mm-hmm. There's nobody on the planet that's going to think exactly like you want, feel exactly what you want them to feel, et cetera. So be ready to understand means that sometimes I'm going to hear things I don't like. But it's not about me convincing them to do it my way, to feel what I want them to feel. It's about me understanding them. Now, that can be done if you're willing to do it.
2: Mm -hmm. That's right. Because listening, and truly listening to understand, not listening just to get ammunition to prove your point— really can change the trajectory of the conversation. But the key is also to remember that being defensive or getting defensive will keep you from hearing and being defensive. Doesn't just mean you're reacting to what they say in the moment. You can enter the conversation defensive because of what you think Mm. they're going to say or what you think they think. Mm -hmm. So keeping that at bay is key as well. Mm -hmm. And then finally the goal is to communicate, not to win yeah one of my favorite sayings with with Rob and I with me and Rob, one of my with Rob fa- and me one of my favorite sayings <laughs> one of my favorite sayings with me is never a sentence one of my favorite sayings with Rob between Rob and me is we are on the same team. Hmm. we're not fighting against each other, we're on the same side, even though we might differ on on how. To, to get to the end goal, we can find a way to do it. We're on the same team.
1: Yeah, the way we have uh, shared it with people over the years, think of yourself sitting at a table. Right now, we're sitting at your table, you're on one side, I'm on the other. Mm-hmm. I've often said to people, mentally picture yourself getting up and walking mm-hmm. around and sitting next to them on their side of the table, which is the exact same thing you were just saying.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay? Absolutely. And that's even you can take that and use that as part of how to have these conversations. Mm-hmm. So make sure that if it's at all possible, don't be literally across a table. Try and be more aligned in how you're sitting, in your eye contact. All of those things can help.
1: Yeah, there are little hints there that you can read about just about anywhere, like mm-hmm. don't cross your arms, don't mm-hmm. give a hard stare. You just become as warm and open and inviting as you possibly can.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, we have a couple of questions to talk about that. And so we'll have one of our team members read this question, and then we'll come back and uh, give our thoughts about that question.
0: So, Hey guys, my name is Roald, uh, and I work on the breakout leader team as well as coaching team here at Marriage Helper. And in my role, I typically help couples by running the breakout groups on our workshops. Also, I coach couples and individuals through their marriage situation. Dr. Beam and Kimberly Holmes have asked me to read a question that was submitted by one of our listeners for today's episode. This person asks, how do I help my wife understand that thoughts and facts are different? Is frustration and anger the same? Little things create frustration for her. How do I help with that when she talks to me? Her thoughts cause her to say things to me that hurt.
1: I appreciate the question that the husband is asking there. But may I point out something immediately that you may need to consider? You see, what I've heard you say in this question is that you think that she gets the wrong conclusion because her thoughts in her mind are incorrect, but because she accepts them as being correct, or as you call it, a fact, then she winds up with false conclusions or wrong conclusions, and she's using that against you or in ways that are not very helpful. But you see, as I, as I listen to that question, and I have it here, I'm reading it as well. As I listen to that question, it makes me think, you know, when you think you understand why a person is doing what they're doing or saying what they're saying, that assessment can be incorrect. Mm-hmm. And in other words, it may not be what you think it is. Now, my guess is, by the way, you phrase this thing here that you're a pretty intelligent person. And based on that, you're thinking, okay, this has got to be what's going on because it's just logical Mm -hmm. that this is what's happening. This is what's happening. And if I could just get her to understand that she's thinking incorrectly, then we would be able to solve our issue. Mm -hmm. That assessment could be right, could be wrong. But as long as you're convinced in your mind that it's right, You're going to continue to put her in a certain category, a certain pigeonhole, where that you are not going to hear what she's really saying, because you're going to pass it through the filter of what you've already decided is true. That, if you're really going to be a good, smart, intelligent guy, and I'm sure that you are, that's not the way to do it. The way to do it is to be completely open and understand that you may have misread this altogether. Am I off base with that, Kimberly?
2: No, you're not at all off base. Yes, once you have created that narrative, or as you said, it put them in a pigeonhole, then it's more difficult for you to become unbiased and see a different way, to see maybe you don't really understand what she's thinking or what's going on and how it's relating to you. So so what does that mean? That means for this man, starting back at, like we said in the last episode, seeking to understand, asking questions don't enter into it with assumptions i wish he would have given us an example
1: oh that would have been great
2: it (laughs) would have been so helpful for this but you know i had um several years ago we we were friends with a couple and the husband was similar to this he would see everything through he called it his wife's sickness oh and she because she was struggling with depression and anxiety and therefore He would say, these are the facts, you know, things are good. Things aren't the way that she sees it. It's only because she's sick because Mm. she's depressed. Well, because he labeled her that way in his mind, it didn't really matter what she did. Mm. Everything was because of her sickness. And so Mm. once you, her sickness, I say that in, in quotations. So how can we step back and see it from their point of view, see it from their perspective first, instead of analyzing them? Ironically, he's kind of doing to her what he thinks she's doing to him. Huh. But In yes. what way? So he thinks that everything she says is coming from a a place of frustration or anger. Where she says here.
1: She thinks her thoughts are facts. Just because I think it, then it must be true. Right. You know, that's exactly what he's doing. That's exactly what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because I think this about you, then that must be true. Right. I hadn't thought about that before. That's a very good point there, Kimberly. Mm-hmm. And it says that uh, he's asking about the difference in frustration and anger because he's a little things frustrate her. Frustration usually occurs when one person feels helpless to change things. Mm. Like I think it should be this, or I think it should be that, but I don't know how to make that happen. Or I don't have the authority to make that happen. Or I don't have the knowledge to make that happen. Whatever it might be. Frustration seems to be most of the time, an indication of a person feeling that they don't have control over something they feel they should have control over. Mm -hmm. And so therefore I get frustrated because it could be this way, should be this way, but I can't make it happen that way. Now, is that the same as anger? No, but frustration obviously can lead to anger because as we always teach, anger is based on pain. And frustration is relatively painful. Now, Kimberly... (sighs) Uh, this is going to sound sexist, and I apologize to everybody ahead of time for that. But it it sounds like what we have here. Now, I, what I'm saying it sounds like. You're right. We don't have enough information. There's a new phrase out there called mansplaining. <laughs> I've been running into that. And it's like where, where a man, now, this could happen just with the opposite gender as well, but mansplaining has to do with a man who thinks that I need to explain it all to you because you don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> that's rich okay okay <laughs> should i explain that more for you <laughs> which, which would be explaining yeah. tell me why you find that so funny
2: be- because just the as a woman and just as the history of women right there's there is definitely a feeling that men don't see us as equals. I'm actually part of a, a group in the area that we live of um, business people. And there are two men who do not believe I am their equal. Uh. And so I, I still feel this today. And they So things that I give advice on or feedback I have, they're like, oh, you don't really get it.
1: Uh, because
2: you're not like us uh (laughs) women bring a different perspective men bring great perspectives and i traditionally even being in the role of a female ceo i don't view men as the enemy i've actually been asked that question how do i view men in the role that i'm in i think that we have great opportunity to learn and complement from each other however in terms of this mansplaining we both genders need to be cognizant of when they are looking down on the other and then trying to put themselves in a superior position.
1: Even if the person doesn't think that's what he's doing, right. it can happen very easily.
2: It can happen easily.
1: Because of the fact that I just need to give you more detail about this so you can really understand it, because I don't know that you're really getting this. so Let me explain every little piece of it. So for in this particular situation, and forgive me, sir, if I'm offending you because I'm not intending to offend you, but you say, okay, I see that it's related to her thinking wrong, and because she's thinking wrong, then that leads her to that she says bad things to me or things that hurt me. And if you're trying to teach her that, if you're saying, look, you see what's going on here is that, that you have a thought in your head that you think is true, but it's not necessarily true. I think that would be almost a classic example of a man's man'splaining. I know more about what you're thinking
2: than you know. Than you know. Oh man,
1: I know more about what you're feeling than you. No.
2: But you know what? This so also describes certain wives that yes. go and find all this information on the internet yes. and therefore diagnose their husbands and then try and make their husbands understand the diagnosis they have given to them.
1: Mm-hmm. We wouldn't call it mansplaining. Mansplaining. Am I saying that correctly? Mansplaining. mansplaining. But you're right. It's the same thing. It's
2: the same concept.
1: the the same concept. And we hear it all the time. Well, my husband's a narcissist. Right. Uh, it Was he diagnosed as such? Yeah, my counselor said he's a narcissist. Well, how many visits did your husband have with the counselor? Well, he's never met the counselor. And your counselor has diagnosed him as a narcissist? Run. Not, that's unethical and unprofessional. Or even worse, no. I found an article on the internet. Right. And I read it, and it says the narcissists are these, and by golly, that's my husband.
2: And it had a quiz. <laughs> and I took it thinking... Like I was my husband. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's back to the same thing we were teaching in the previous episode that we want to emphasize right here. That's this. Don't assume that you know what she's really thinking. Don't assume that, that your conclusion that she's mixed up her, what she thinks with what's true. I'm not saying that's not true, but I'm saying you're assuming that's true and assumptions can be wrong. And so the best thing to do is the same thing we talked about in a previous episode, which is this, ask questions, listen, and do not rebuttal, do not explain her answers are wrong or that she's misunderstanding, none of those kinds of things. Even if you think she misunderstands your question, don't say, no, 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 you're not getting it. Let me come at it a different way. The point is, if you genuinely, honestly ask, don't see your role as teacher, Hmm. see your role as a partner trying to understand why you think the way you think and why you feel the way you feel. Now, he may be thinking, but what if it turns out I'm right, and she's confusing what she thinks with facts. If you've communicated in a way where that she knows you're really listening to her, then you still don't become the teacher. You become the guide. Okay, let's try to understand that. If, for example, she says, I I feel like you must be cheating on me, therefore you must be cheating on me. Rather than saying, that's illogical, it doesn't work. It can be, help me understand why you fear that I'm doing that. Help me understand that feeling. And whenever you get that feeling, you know what? Why don't you just give me a call to make sure you know where I am and what I'm doing. You still don't have to be the person like, no, 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 no. That's illogical. Let's fix this.
2: Mm -hmm. Situations like this, where it can feel like you and your spouse are on two separate pages and it's hard to get on the same page one of the best ways to get on the same page is in doing something where you both learn similar verbiage, similar processes, all of those things like what we do in our workshop. It can really help couples get on the same playing field, so to say, so that they have something to build off of and go off of to make their relationship better. I mean, we've, we've even had every single time we do a workshop. And when we go through the part on even how to deal with conflict Couples will leave that session and say, we now have a shared terminology that we can explain things to each other and say, you know, I felt you were being defensive. And we have a shared meaning of what defense is, how it shows up, and Mm. what to do with that. And that's helpful in situations like this. Because until until one of them does something different, but ideally both of them do something different, it could stay in gridlock. And that's Mm. what we don't want. So a workshop such as our workshop could be a really helpful first step to really getting on that same page.
1: Okay, very good. And they can find out about that by going to marriagehelper.com. Mm-hmm. And then there's a tab there that says workshops. It says workshops. Okay. We have another question and one of our team members will read this one for us and we'll talk more about how to get your spouse to understand you. Hi guys, my name is Shauna. I'm a
2: breakout leader for Marriage Helper during their online workshops. And Dr. Bream and Kimberly Holmes asked me to read a question that was submitted by one of our listeners for today's episode. One of our listeners asked the following, my husband had an affair, hasn't been dealt with. He never came clean 100% and still doesn't wanna talk about it or answer any questions. What do you do if you survived your husband's infidelity, but he never got professional help work through
1: it. I'm sorry that time has passed and he still hasn't dealt with all these things and that you still feel hurt by it. Apparently you're a person who needs to talk about some of these things and it appears that for whatever reason, he's a person that doesn't want to do that. It could be because he's of that personality. I just want to keep moving forward, but he has to understand and appreciate your personality where that you need to talk it through. But let me suggest the first thing for you to do if you really want to have progress with this. And it's going to sound unfair, but because of the hurt that you still carry years later, we would recommend and suggest strongly that the first thing you do is to set yourself free emotionally. And what that means is that you choose to forgive him. You see, your emotions aren't going to change until you make a decision that he's a flawed human being and that you're not going to take vengeance on him. And if you make those decisions, then your emotions can change over time. So while it may sound like an extraordinarily difficult place to start, forgive him, even if he hasn't asked, forgive him, Mm -hmm. even if he hasn't given all the details that you want. So Kimberly, why may he be avoiding the subject? What's some possibilities here?
2: I mean, it very well could be that he still feels guilt, possibly even shame from what he did. Mm-hmm. And so to protect his own feelings, his own self, his own pride, all of those things, he he's not wanting to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So there actually could be a very empathetic response from him as to why he's not wanting to talk
1: about it. Okay. Is there also a possibility that uh, he might be afraid of hurting her more mm. yeah. because if she's the kind of person that wants all the details mm-hmm. and he knows that some of those details will just crush her emotionally. Mm-hmm. If she knows that I did that with that person, I did that with that person. You must understand folks that uh, we recommend that you don't share all the details. Mm-hmm. We recommend that you don't share the details that create a visual. Mm-hmm. In other words, you can talk about what happened. You can talk about specific things that happen, but not specific acts particularly sexual acts, because when you do that, it's just going to create that much more pain for both of you. Mm -hmm. So it could be that he's still carrying guilt about it. It could be that he's afraid he's going to hurt you more if he talks about it. So understand that it may not be because he just pushed it under the rug. It could be. That's a possibility. But it may be there's a different reason there for that. And what we've been talking about in the last few episodes on relationship radio is the best way to find out if there is a reason is to ask, Mm. not directly like, why won't you talk to me about that? Which sounds accusatory, but to say something such as, you know, it really would benefit me if we could talk about some of the things that occurred back then. Can you help me understand why you don't want to talk about that now? Now, if you say that in any kind of accusatory manner, all you're going to hear is defensiveness. But if it comes across as sincere, that you're really trying to understand him and trying to communicate, then you increase the likelihood of getting an honest answer there. Mm -hmm. Kimberly, even then, sometimes they'll need help, right? A person to help Mm -hmm. them think it through.
2: Yes, absolutely. And there's value in having that trusted, unbiased, at least unbiased for either spouse, third party that can help guide that along. Our coaches can help do that. Uh, really great counselors can help do that. But the key in finding that person is finding someone who's not just going to uncover all of the hurt of the past and try and deal with it there. Instead, find someone who's more future focused, which is what we've been talking about in the past couple of episodes. So there's a show on Netflix called Sweet Magnolia's, I know you haven't seen it. Maybe some of our listeners have, but there's, there's one part, there's a couple in it who has been separated and and the husband had had an affair and he's wanting to make it work. He's wanting to come back together. They go to their church pastor and the church pastor starts with, let's uncover, let's go back all the way, read your vows to each other and we'll go from there.
1: Wow. And
2: it did not go well because you have them start by reading this commitment to each other to never hurt each other it just brings up the pain how hmm. could he have done this to me from the beginning and all of these years and then you know the things about the affair and and of course this is a show but as i'm watching it i'm thinking this happens
1: yeah we see that this
2: is real life
1: <laughs> we witness that all the time we
2: witness people starting with place like this so we recommend to start with okay what can we learn from the past and look forward to doing. Not, let's start with how the vows were broken from day one, 18 years ago. Oh, that's just pain. Mm -hmm. That's just pain. And it's going to stop people from wanting to move forward when they keep uncovering the pain. Right.
1: Mm -hmm. Now, some things need to be talked about. Mm -hmm. Like uh, the lady might have a need to say, I need to explain to you how hurt I was. I just need to know that you feel that. Because we know it's awfully difficult to forgive and move on when you feel the other person doesn't understand You're hurt. Mm -hmm. But what we say, and you heard Kimberly say it pretty clear there, is that if you get locked into that, you're going to go back, and that's where you're going to live, right there in that pain. Mm -hmm. Is that the way to heal the pain? Not necessarily. To some degree, you have to expose it, Mm -hmm. to some degree. Mm -hmm. But to learn from it and to move on, not to wallow in it, not to relive it, because why would you want to relive your pain like Mm -hmm. that? So you may need a third partner. Um, So you may need a third party to help you through that, Mm -hmm. but it needs to be one who doesn't take sides, not on your side, not on your husband's side, Mm -hmm. someone that's not going to drag up all the past, someone that can help you think in terms of how do we move past this. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, and then when you do discuss offer safety, what I mean by that is let your husband know That you're not going to get mad, you're not going to divorce them, you're you're not going to start throwing fits, all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. That while it may hurt to hear some of the things, uh, that you're really interested in moving forward rather than going back into the past, and so create that safe environment. Now, Kimberly, we have a reconciling, uh, exploring reconciliation, a toolkit Mm -hmm. that we recommend that if people go through that, Mm -hmm. they go through with one of our coaches. Mm
2: -hmm. Why is that? The coach is going to guide the discussion and really make sure that the each person each spouse is 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 not attacking the other is not mm-hmm. staying in one place longer than they should and when i say staying in place i mean thinking about the past like there's mm-hmm. one of the right. the steps in the process that is talking about. Let's uncover what needs to be uncovered. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you do each understand each other's pain, but then we need to move on. Mm -hmm. We need to look forward. We need to forgive and move forward. So the coach Mm -hmm. helps make sure that happen and can really help to mediate that discussion so that hurtful things aren't said. There's a way to express your pain without at the same time continuing to create pain. Mm -hmm. And so the coach helps guide that process. So a person could go to our website and get the reconciliation toolkit and coaching process. Yes, we, we encourage, we encourage everyone to go to the workshop first, because that's going to lay the best groundwork Mm -hmm. and exploring reconciliation with the coaching is a perfect next step for after the workshop. It can still be done on its own, but it's created to come after the workshop.
1: Okay. Okay. So we wouldn't be encouraging people, just go find the video series, the toolkit, get it, and think that you're going to be able to fix it all by yourselves. While that might be possible, it's not built that way. It's not designed that way. And so rather than taking the risk that instead that might actually make things worse, we said the process we recommend, come to the workshop and then,
2: Mm -hmm. okay. Up until this point, you haven't been able to do it well, just the two of you. So I don't know what makes people think they're going to be able to do it well, just the two of them going forward. It's just high risk. Whereas having one of our coaches, having the safety that we, our team, brings into it as well is further protection and further guidance in the process.
1: If you go to Marriage Helper, that's marriagehelper.com, there's a little tab you can press for workshop, and there's a thing there you can click so that one of our client representatives will actually contact you. And he or she will listen enough to understand what you're looking for. They don't do counseling. They don't do coaching. They just help you find what we can give you or make available to you to help you move forward from there. Mm -hmm. So, Kimberly, what are the key takeaways from today's program?
2: Mm -hmm. The first key takeaway is seek to understand before seeking to be understood. Highlight it. Write it down. Most important point. That we could emphasize right now. The second part is to remember to listen without defensiveness or justification. When you listen, listen to understand, seek to understand. See point number one, seek to understand. (laughs) And then number three, you are more likely to get your spouse to talk to you and they will want to talk to you more when they feel that you are a safe place for them, that you won't attack them or berate them, or get defensive when they share things that might be hard for you to hear. So work on creating that safe place.
1: Excellent. Mm. We get a lot of questions about a lot of different things, but we've gotten some interesting questions about, I did something wrong. How do I tell my spouse? Should I tell my spouse? When do I tell my spouse? Kimberly and I will talk about that on the next
0: episode of Relationship Radio. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Relationship Radio. Please refer to the notes in the description to learn more about any resources mentioned in this episode. Please visit our website at marriagehelper.com for more information about our online courses, marriage workshops, and coaching. We exist to help save marriages and strengthen families. We look forward to interacting with you on the next episode of Relationship Radio.